Hello and welcome to uh, Coughology with Tess Whitworth. Today I am speaking to April Boslem. Yay! <laughs> Hi Tess. <laughs> Hi. So um, what's the name of this cafe that we're at at the oh, moment? So this is the Cove Cafe in Lane Cove, West Business Park. It's like a culturally destitute industrial wasteland. There's trees, there's buildings, there's disgruntled shift workers. It's amazing. It's an amazing it's environment. It's an amazing, amazing environment. <laughs> In other words, this is the only coffee shop near where Evry works. Yeah. Where do you work, Evry? Oh, if I tell you, I'd have to kill you. So it's confidential. Oh, it is actually confidential? <laughs> yeah. Okay. So we're not allowed to say where Evry works. I don't hey. work with the free folk. But um, <laughs> are we allowed to know what you do? No. Well, yeah, kind of. Um, I guess I work for a small private company and they, they have a new... Um, cancer therapeutic on the market and I'm just one of their research and development scientists yeah and I do a lot of flow cytometry which is which is fun for you like <laughs> I remember you asking me what three or four years ago how do I do flow <laughs> <laughs> that's right because like, I have to do a lot of it in this new job no um, you're way more of an expert than I am now yeah yeah I'm hankering for one of those 10 laser instruments that has like a million colors that would make my life a lot easier. One of the reality. sorbs. Is that what they're called? Oh, yeah. Sorbs. sorbs. Yeah, yeah. 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 We can talk here science on here. This here is the are. whole point of this podcast. Here we are getting our lady bonus on about float. About <laughs> it's always funny whenever I try and describe yeah. what flow is to people who aren't in science because. I call it fax because that's what a lot yeah. of people do and then they think of fax machines and then I'm like, what it has lasers and then they're like, ooh, sharks with lasers on their heads. Yeah, it, it always evolves into a Austin Powers reference. Yeah, yeah totally. A strong fat one? Yeah, that's me. Thank you so much. Thank you. Awesome. We just got our coffees and they look... They're all right. They're all right. They're all right. All They're right. Nothing compared to. We're gonna take your... um, a little break while I take a photo oh. of them so that oh. you guys can see. Oh. Okay, and we're back from taking photos. Yes. Uh, so why did you move out of academia? Because you were in the same lab as me. Well, I'd been in the same lab for a long time. I was a research assistant for a while, and then did my PhD and a postdoc there, and things like they do stagnate after a while. So you do get bored, and you, you feel like. You, you just kind of have to move on. But also, like, as we all know, there's no, not much money in academia anymore, so it's much harder to get funding. And I feel like um, I was definitely not one of those people um, who had the credentials to actually be in the funding circles because it is so competitive. You really have to be at the top of your game at the end of your PhD and have published lots of papers. And actually, no, there was a pivotal moment. Okay, and I might have told you this story before, but I'm going to tell it again for the folks at for home. For the folks at home. It was in 2010, I was going to my first international conference in Stockholm in Sweden to present my data. And I had to, you know, because I'm a student, have these povo flights where you've got to fly halfway around the world to get to Stockholm. <laughs> I'm sitting there, like, waiting for the last leg of the flight, and it's like sunrise and I'm looking around myself at people that are on the flight and I can see like a lot of them are scientists and I just kind of looked around I'm like although I love science I've always wanted to be a scientist I kind of looked and I'm like these are not my people <laughs> I am not one of these people I don't think I fit in here so it's like, it was that sense of not fitting in with the academic crowd and by that I mean not having that ridiculous fervor for that 
super technical niche research area that you, you find yourself. Yeah. yeah. So then, and so went to like a little big um, conference, the ESD, and then we went to a little satellite meeting where literally it was like 50 people who were in my little area of research or our area of research. Yeah. And like it was just so niche and technical, and, and these were the only people in the world that gave a shit about this. Like, yeah, exactly. And I, and I was like, and I didn't even give that much of a shit about it. So I think that's it. Like I didn't, ha I didn't give that much of a shit about. Um, the where you the were. Work, yeah, the project that I was doing. So. I completely understand that. Yes. Where I am at the moment, so, you know. <laughs> I mean, some people at the end of their PhDs are still, you know, on point and focused and will be publishing stuff and they've got, like, amazing data and it, it, it fulfills them and, and whatever, whereas I'm just doing some fucking niche shit. <laughs> like, yeah, well, no, your stuff was awesome, but, okay. yeah, it was very niche. <laughs> so, at that point, it, well, it still took me, like, what? four years after that, four or five years after that, to actually leave. I mainly like the the high stress and the challenges that come yeah. with the private sector because in academia you just, you have rules and regulations and, and things are set and you have, you know, things that you're meant to be doing on a daily basis and a progression, whereas um, I've found in the two, three years or whatever it is, that have been out that it's like just constant chaos and change and challenges and you do one project you finish that you move on to the next and there's like no time to stuff around and maybe that's it like I'm, I'm an inherently impatient person I was always impatient for results impatient for progress impatient for everything and of course I like the clinical relevance of what I'm doing yeah exactly um, it makes you feel like yeah it's not just a niche little um Subchapter in a highly technical textbook that your work might be making it into. Although that is very valuable, it, it contributes to the big picture. And people science. take it and use yeah. it further on, like yeah. you. Now, now I just feel bad because I'm just using all these people's knowledge to, like, oh, what have all these millions of people done in terms of research? Let me read a review with a million references and exploit everyone else's knowledge. But that's what we do, right? But, like, yeah, like that's how yeah. science gets to people yeah, and what's absolutely. the point of doing the tiny little stuff yeah. without people like yeah. you <laughs> you haven't had your, your strong well you haven't even bite, taken a bite of your lunch yet let me bite yeah you, you bite i will i will talk <laughs> the coffee is not the greatest coffee in the entire world i'm nothing, not gonna give this place a very good no, review i'm no, sorry the great the wrap's pretty good though that's not bad that's yeah. not bad yeah, so you uh, obviously worked in the same lab as me mm. for a very, very long time. In fact, I think mm. you still hold the record of being like the longest worker in that yeah, lab. Yeah, I'm pretty stubborn yeah. when it comes to that. But I, like a lot of people <laughs> who do their PhDs in science, mm. not a lot of people stay in the same lab mm. to do a postdoc afterwards. Yeah. They tend to go overseas, they tend Absolutely. to do anything. So like what was your reason for not doing that? Um, twofold. The main reason is I blame my husband because he wanted to stay in Sydney. Yeah. And we um we got engaged and married very early um on in the piece, like during my PhD, so it was always a bit of a power struggle. And I'm like, oh yeah, let's go do postdocs and he's like, bitch please, how much money are you gonna earn? <laughs> he's like, that's like half of my wage. I'm like, yeah, you've got a point there. <laughs> and secondly, I like being different. I think that's something we share in common, maybe we're yeah. friends, we're, we're, we're a bit different and I just don't like doing what everyone else what does. What everyone else does. <laughs> I don't like routine, I don't like, I don't know, yeah, well, stuff I think, like that. And it would also have been our boss who loves you to pieces yeah. and oh, probably nice. didn't want to let you go. Mm. I like the to, complete opposite of me, by the way. <laughs> I'd, like to, I'd like to talk more about that. I think in the end I figured out, I learned more lessons about 
I don't know, life by being in that lab for so long. And one of them was that I think people just liked having me around because I'm the clown. I'm like the class clown. <laughs> I don't take anything seriously. I just take the piss out of everyone all the time. And I think that, yeah, I think that was the main reason in the end. Like, it just obvious that I wasn't really... I was into what I was doing, but not as much as other people, if, if that makes sense. Like, I'm not that nerdy, if you know what I mean. I mean, I it am, does, but not. I always thought that you were like... Super into what you were doing. Like no. while we were there, you were like, "Let's push the boundaries of science," yeah, which is because, what you like doing. That's because I get bored really easily. Yeah, yeah. yeah. you would always do all of the crazy freaking experiments, which like pushed me into doing crazy yeah, experiments. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. whenever I did the RIAs, if you remember, I'd always do like, thousand tubes because I was like, "Evers would do a thousand tubes." <laughs> that's because I get bored and go, "Well, can I do it once?" Yeah. It's like you get I still hold the record. Yeah, I did. yeah you did. 1,959. Fuck. Yeah. I was scared. It was like the entire event. I was like checking up when you're going, oh, you can you actually do that? I had like three centrifuge. Yeah, I used all of the racks in one in one go. <laughs> yeah, so that's sort of what happened in the end, I think. One of the other questions I wanted to ask you is you decided to leave academia, which. Mm. It's totally valid. It's what I'm doing right now, hence why I'm making a podcast. Why did you choose to go into industry rather than there's a a whole bunch of options out there for scientists that we never actually learn about? Because if you are in the academic field, people just like push you towards academia and you never think of anything outside of it. But there are lots of things outside of it. Why did you choose industry rather than anything else? Um, it was mainly, <laughs> I watched, the company that I work for now had an Australian, well, featured on Australian Story. Um, so they had, uh, well, they, firstly they were advertising, and then secondly, I watched the video on Australian Story about the way they set up the company, um, what the technology was all about, and I was just like crazy inspired by it. Like it's just an amazing technology, and the um, and it was basically two really ballsy ex CSIRO scientists going, "Fuck this, fuck everyone, fuck CSIRO. We've got this amazing technology that we've developed. The two of us, let's make a business out of it." And they basically pitched the idea to their network of investors and raised like five million dollars or so. Um, to start their own private lab and then they've just developed they've been going now for almost 15 years and for a biotech in Australia that's almost unheard of yeah Um, and the technology is really amazing as well so it's just really inspirational and it kind of reminded it reminded me of what I would have done if I didn't get if I didn't get married early because as we've had this discussion I was never gonna get married you know like it was never in our plan I was like fuck marriage then all of a sudden like love happened and the hormones and then just hijacked everything so, and now you have a baby and a <laughs> yeah. like giant and house out in the West suburbs, demanding husband, yeah, yeah, yeah. husband yeah, yeah. white but picket fence, all I, that sort of shit. If I was, if I didn't have that, then um, I, I could see myself doing what they're doing, just making up like a crazy technology and making a company out of, of it. Yeah, I think it's. Um, I like that way of working. Uh, better, it makes a bit more sense, it's a bit more... Um, hey, there's still time, Evers, you can still oh do God, it. No. Oh God, <laughs> I'm so tired right now, I can't even like eat my sandwich, I'm not even home, I'm so tired, I'm just fucking tired, man. That's what the coffee's for. <laughs> yeah, the overdose of coffee. Um, but yeah, I like the accountability of, you know, being in a business, it's not just funds that you're using for the public to further common knowledge, it's actual 
like um, you have an outcome, you have a goal, it's it's something that you want to do, like you want to get this product to market, and that's what I like. Like I'd much rather be working in that environment. It was a right time, right place moment. Like they were advertising, or I, you know, watched the Australian Story episode. I was like, wow, these people are amazing. And I like, like it's the funniest interview. You know, interviews in science. Yeah. Uh, really interviews. I just went in. I was like, I love you guys. You're amazing. It's incredible. And ask all these questions. And I'm like, I'll work for free. <laughs> Which is almost what I did. <laughs> Surely not. Surely you get paid a little bit better in the industry than you did when you were in. It depends on where you are. Okay. It depends on where you are. Like, uh, of course, and it's part of the negotiation um, strategy. So yeah, yeah, sure. I mean, that's just part of the you know transition. You you will get paid what you want to get paid if you don't know, like you. It's up to you whether that's an important thing for you. But yeah, no, it was just really inspiring this place so so moving to industry it was not you selling out you weren't going for the money you were going for oh yeah actually no no yeah, yeah, like, yeah like, it really wasn't although that, like there's plenty of shit that i miss from academia like i like i said i like the challenge and the high stress but here there's like there's no let up like it's constant there's no like oh i can just you know put my feet up and have a day or or just take my time with something the time pressures are so horrendous that's actually like there is a lot of personal sacrifice to be working somewhere where um, all your career goals might be met but you don't realize that actually that involves a lot of mental physical and emotional sacrifice when you're because everyone you know works very hard there they have that same goal of like getting shit done in a timely fashion that is quite taxing yeah as well so i do miss the um the slower pace i guess of academia and and the people like and just talking to everyone about science and the chats whereas everything here is so confidential you can't really you know can't really say anything about yeah. anything hence we're not talking about the science that you're doing yeah. even though i really <laughs> want to I was, like, I was like i should probably like no. warn her before she comes here i'm like ah fuck it no this is cool this is gonna be a, one of those episodes where we talk about why people go into science that's all right well i decided when i was 14 that i wanted to be a scientist and i went to um Siemens Science Summer School at Griffith University on the Gold Coast at 14. Wow. Isolated you my first are DNA. The from, biggest nerd um, I think I've ever met. Like I am and I'm not. Like I'm, I'm, I know people that are much nerdy. Oh, yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> like middle of the way nerd. I don't even know. <laughs> and yeah, I isolated my first DNA and picked it out of that glass, you know, thing and had a photo. I'm like, I'm hooked. This is it. This is what I'm going to do. Yeah, on the page that you get this podcast, there will be a link to the company that Evers works for and also her Twitter, so you can tweet her. Wrap it up. How was your coffee? It was, it did the job and it was drinkable. Should I give it a rating? Are you rating? Why not? I'm going to give it like a one, maybe a two. Out of how many coffee cups? Well, if it's out of five, it's a one. If it's yeah. out of ten, it's a two. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm gonna agree with you there. <laughs> yes, yes. It's drinkable. Yeah. I mean, we're in Australia. Yeah. If I was yeah. in Europe, then I'd probably give it a five yeah. out of ten. <laughs> Depends on where you are. <laughs> That's so true. Okay, so uh, this was Coughology with your host Tess Whitworth, and today we've been talking to Dr. April Boslam. Listen out to things next time. I really need to like work out a way to say goodbye. <laughs> I record a whole bunch of really corny like sign offs. <laughs> I'll speak to you later. That's the way the coffee.
surprise. <laughs>